Welcome to this Food Thing podcast. This is the place where we talk about our relationship with food, whether it is friend or foe, easy or less so, and how it affects our behavior. Here's today's episode. Welcome back to Love This Food Thing podcast. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Lisa Marley. Finally, we've been trying for ages. Lisa is a plant-based chef, nutrition coach, and TV presenter. Lisa creates recipes for magazines and media platforms. She hosts cooking masterclasses, launches brands, performs live demos and cook-alongs, as well as filming a ton of recipes for her Instagram page. She is an ambassador and trainer for ProVeg UK and Hate Waste. For Lisa, quality food isn't just a job, it's a way of life. Lisa, finally, welcome to Love This Food Thing podcast. Hello, so Hello. nice to be here. We have, we we tried about a year ago, I don't know, six months ago and something technical yeah. happened and then I messed you around because the builders were here and the builders are still here. But we're here, it's Friday, the sun is shining, Lisa's near Margate, I'm in Folkestone, so it all feels very yeah. lovely and local. And we are going to um, film a recipe, aren't we, around Christmas time and pop it on the website. We are. I love Christmas. I love Christmas recipes. I love Christmas food. I love the build up. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Okay. So I don't really need to ask you this question, but I will because it's, that's a, our whole kind of pivoting point. A friend of food? A foe of food? Are you a friend or a foe? How is your relationship with food? How would you describe it? A definitely a friend. Always? Um, oh, God. I was thinking about this earlier. And um, no, definitely not always. Definitely the past 20 years, I would say when I was in my teens and early 20s, um, it was, I would say probably maybe a typical, I don't know, I'm generalizing, but yeah, I mean, the food definitely wasn't, I wasn't interested in food. All I was interested in, you know, is how I looked in a dress rather than food nourishing me or food being, you know, the source of everything. So, um, so yes, now, brilliant, love it but maybe not so much when I was younger. How did that, was this in your early 20s? Yeah, I mean, I was a chubby kid mm. I was, and um, food was my friend. Right. Um, and I didn't, but what I didn't really, I didn't realise that I was um, chubby or, I hate the F word, but fat until other people told me. And then I kind of, that changed my perception. Um, and so food was my comfort but also my enemy because I didn't like the way it made me look. But I was too, I mean, I'm talking like as a child, not as, so I didn't really have the capacity to even understand what these emotions were. And then you get, I got older and then my peers, um, you kind of follow the crowd. And um, and then older still, it was the whole Kate Moss uh, waif look and my body just is not the, you know, the waif. I'm, a, you know, proud of my curves now. But back then it was it was just the aesthetic was so, like, unachievable. Um, so, yeah, so it's only, I guess, yeah, the past 20 odd years, maybe not even that many, 15 to 20 years. Yeah, let's say 20 that I've um, actually, I, I love food and food is, is my life. Okay, yeah, we will go. We will go to that. When you say that people told you you were fat, is mm-hmm. that, was, were you bullied? Did your family tell you? Did your friends tell you? Your not friends tell you? 
Yeah, I mean, it's really funny, actually, because I was talking about this the other night with yeah. my parents. Mm. And it's not something I really talk about um, loads, but I was... I had a, like a really unhappy. Oh God, sob story. But I did had a, I had a pretty unhappy childhood, and I right. was really bullied. Oh. And um, yeah, and yeah. So it, you know, children can be cruel. Yeah, and I'm sure I had my moments as well. I'm not saying I was perfect, but yeah, I definitely um, felt the odd one out, and yeah, didn't have a good time at school. wasn't very wasn't a happy child, and um, yeah, as I said, food was my friend but also <laughs> the cause of quite a, a lot of uh, unhappiness as well. But I actually didn't relate, weirdly, I didn't relate food to health at all because I don't think you do as a child. I mean, some do. Mm. Um, I just, and I didn't relate food to my body shape either. So um, I didn't put the two and two together and no one kind of explained it to me either. What was what was food like at home? Who did the cooking? How, what were the kind of themes around food in your family home? Well, actually, because um, I've thought about this quite a lot, my parents did go on diets a lot. So did they? What was, both of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So they both food. They, they both struggled with their weight, and um, so they they weren't very accepting. There was always a judgment around it, and I'm I'm not blaming my parents because that's so yeah. easy to do. That's just the way they were, and of course, you do absorb that, don't you? When you, you do around that kind, you of, do, yeah. Um, you can't help it. So um, food-wise, my mum did cook every day and there was always dinner on the table. There was always food in the cupboard. She would always do a dessert. So, you know, she was really, really good like that. Mm. And she worked, but she still kind of put food, like there was always a dinner. It was yeah. always a mishmash of food. Um, so <laughs> it would be like just really random things like a roast chicken with pizza and chips and mashed potatoes so it was just like <laughs> but yeah, I never went without right um, but I um yeah I didn't understand that if I ate buttery ch uh, toast with jam before bed it's gonna kind of you know be bad for your teeth and if I had two bars of chocolate a day which is probably what I did again that's not going to be very good for your sugar levels your mood or anything because you don't as a kid you're just um, because I think I was lonely, the food was there to kind of distraction. And yeah. That's how I coped, yeah. I'm interested in that, and I want to hear about your, your dad, if that's okay. I'm interested that your parents were busy restricting their food, limiting their food, dieting, trying to lose weight, and then yeah. being quite hands-off with you. I wonder if that was a conscious decision that they made do you, do, you, do you know anything about that? And how was your dad with food? Because it's not so much about the food that gets put on the table. It's about the, the feelings around it and what you, how you would have experienced your mum with food. So, for instance, my mum cooked, always cooked, or there was always food on the table. She ate very little and she didn't enjoy cooking. And I knew that. She never said that. She says it now. But I knew yeah. that even when I was, you know five or six. And I knew that my mum ate tiny, tiny portions. It wasn't questioned. It was just what my mum did. It was only later that I understood psychologically what was going on. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And How was you that? don't question it. No, of course um, you don't. There was just a lot of judgment around it. So not so much food. Mm. It was more judgment about appearance. Ah. Oh, you've lost weight. Oh, you've put on weight. 
there was always it was a running commentary oh i need to lose weight oh i need to <clears throat> oh i've got to stop eating this oh if i eat that it will make me fat <clears throat> excuse me and that yeah. was kind of their theme and um and that became i guess my theme as well and again i didn't question it but the, i mean um god going back did we eat the table together I don't think we did. I think my dad was at work. He would eat dinner when he got home. I think we all ate at different times. I don't know about as a young child. I literally can't remember. But I know when I was at junior school, I would, I mean, yeah, I mean, no, they would they would eat in front of the telly. I would probably eat in front of the telly as well. Yeah, there, there wasn't a sit-down dinner type thing around the table. I think it's interesting that you didn't, have a very disordered relationship with food that it didn't become something different or something that you developed because being bullied and having comments made about your weight or that being the general theme you know that can really tip some people certainly tip me I wasn't bullied but um actually I was um I just remember that you certainly tipped me so that's really really interesting so I'm thinking so but you got to your early 20s yeah. And you were still, from what you're saying, you were overeating and not and, and enjoying the food, but not because it made you look a certain way. Is that is that true? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the reason I think I didn't kind of um, maybe stop eating as much when I was younger is because, I, again, I, as I said, I, I just didn't equate food with how I looked. I just, for some reason, that connect didn't happen till I was a, a lot older. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why. Because I, I, I'd want to lose weight or be like, you know, fit in, be like everyone else. But I wouldn't, I didn't kind of, it didn't occur to me that if I stopped overeating, that would happen. But yeah, so when I went to, um, when I got to say 12, 13, and I went to senior school, and I, um, that's when I restricted my eating oh did you i still ate but i just restricted it to be a size eight or a size 10 it was purely to um to have a, a, a body that i thought was it wasn't my natural size but that's i i would make sure i was that size oh so it worked oh yeah i mean i exercised and i had a really restrictive diet so i mean and then even in my t early 20s I, w I was a fitness instructor right and um i worked in a health club so it was kind of accepted yeah. that you were really conscious about what you ate and it was under the guise of health but actually we're everyone was kind of just more um just more concerned about how they, how we looked. I can't say everyone, but I, I definitely, you know, no one really questioned it because you're a fitness instructor, you're healthy, or you're so fit, you do so many classes, you're so. But actually, I wouldn't say my relationship with food at that point was healthy. It was more, again, I controlled it, so I was a, looked a certain way. Um, yeah, and actually, so yeah, it was. Um, I, my when I met my now husband, he was like, "Oh, you, you kind of," um, and I told him, "Was like, oh, you definitely had a, a battle with food." Mm. Uh, and I, it actually didn't even occur to me. I was like, "Oh, yeah, I guess, I guess I did. Maybe some people don't like haven't been restricted what they eat, but I always ate, so I didn't. I, I never didn't eat, and I never was, um, I never was underweight because I always loved food." Okay. So I could get to a certain, I could get to an eight or a 10, 
and then it fluctuate back up to a 12 because that's naturally not where I'm, my body is. Do you know, before we go to a break, because it's not about the food, is it? It's about how you feel about yourself. Yeah. I've been banging the drum for this in this, <laughs> in this season. Do you, okay, here's the thing, Lisa. When you were at the health club and you were restricting and you were a size eight and a 10, did you feel like you fitted in or did you still feel on the outside? Were you ever good enough? Uh, absolutely not. And I had um, surgeries to make my, I had breast implants to make myself, uh, right. I, did, I did everything I could to try mm. and feel everything externally that I could do. And um, I guess at some points I felt like sassy and yeah, but really, again, there was such a massive disconnect between my true, how I truly felt to to what was actually going on. And it wasn't until many years later that, um, you know, as you said, you look back and you think, whoa, what was going on there? Mm. Um, and I've since reversed um, everything, by the way. Did you? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, comments when you're a kid and being bullied, it's just toxic and they stay yeah. with you. They, they stay with you until, until you deal with that sort of misperception of, of yourself. Um, what did I want to say? What did I want to say? Yeah. Okay. So the overall feeling that you were trying, so you got safety and comfort from food because you loved food and you enjoyed eating. But I'm th I'm guessing that the overall feeling you were trying to, to get was about inclusion and belonging and being accepted. Yeah. Or just not being the weird kid, just not right. being... Right. Um, it wasn't even, yeah, just fitting in, not just not standing out. And I think because maybe I was a little bit weird, when I look back, I, I didn't even realise that. I didn't know at the time, but because I was just maybe a bit different, mm. then, of course, I used to cut that sort of thumb as a child, don't you? And you were immediately picked on for being different. So, you were, so yes, being the weird kid, yeah, of course, you're desperate to fit in when you're a child, absolutely desperate. Okay, we're yeah. going to take a quick break. Welcome back to Love This Food Thing podcast. I'm here with Lisa. We just had a little chat in the break about is it all right to be honest and 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 be vulnerable and and uh, kind of oh, that's the builder closing the door behind us and uh, kind of go deep. And I said to Lisa, yeah, absolutely, that's what this podcast is all about. So you're on board, Lisa. Oh, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're on the ship. Um, okay, so early 20s, working at the health club, you've had, you're changing your body, you're restricting your food, you're trying to fit in. And we surmise that it was about that feeling of inclusion. When did it start yeah. to turn around for you? Ooh. So I guess it was actually not for a good 10 years. Mm -hmm. Because, um, and not that I, I, I mean, I wasn't unhappy. I wasn't, you know, being bullied for the next 10 years. I was yeah. just, I worked as a television presenter. So again, my peers, you, you looked a certain, we all looked a certain way. Yeah. You, uh, it was just, it was very looks based. Yeah. So you're very conscious of the camera, it's 10 pounds and all this. And so we kind of all fueled each other because um, we're all it, little clones. It's part of that culture, isn't it? And how let's talk about being on camera if you have 
yeah body image issues what was that like for you um by well at that time again I was um well when I look back I think I I, I ate but I wasn't I wasn't definitely ate to look a certain way yeah. I didn't eat for health I yeah. didn't eat for pleasure yeah so it was almost um yeah, I, I ate because you have to, mm-hmm. and it, but it was nothing to do with pleasure. Even though I loved food, but I, tr- I kind of trained myself to not to, to get pleasure from other things because I had to look some way. And the only way I could do that was to exercise and restrict my diet. So, uh, and again, it was down to my job. So it had gone from being, my excuse was fitness to then my excuse being, well, I'm on television, I have to look a certain way. So, um, so yeah, it was very restrictive. So I didn't eat bread for 10 years. I didn't, um, mm. it was when the whole uh, Atkins thing was trending yeah. as well. So carbohydrates were the devil. And so, you know, <laughs> When I met my husband, he was like, should we have an Indian takeaway? Or I was like, I think I've had an Indian takeaway in 20 years. Because I just didn't do that. That I'm with you. I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly what you're talking about. Particularly Atkins and Friends. I remember Courtney Cox, Jennifer Aniston. You know, do you remember? They went into sort of second, third season. It was just like, oh, they look amazing. Really tiny bodies and big heads. Yeah, I remember that very well. What did, yeah, did you feel self-conscious on camera? No, no, I didn't. Interesting. Um, I, I liked the way I looked. Right. Okay. At that point, I, you know, I, I was, I was so used to seeing myself on camera anyway. So I just wasn't because it was, and it was, uh, you know, we we I ran a tight ship, and I lived with my presenter friends, and we just we all looked a certain way, and that and that was it. So right. right. If you ever, I mean, I, I'm sure I had days where I just did not want to be on television and, mm. and didn't, and you know, when you have your kind of fat days, if you like, yeah, for whatever reason, even though it's all in your head because nothing's actually changed since the day before, but you just, you had to because it was your job and then, yeah, you just get on with it. So, no, I wasn't unhappy with the way I looked. It's, but it's only if I look at it from a health perspective and a, and a pleasure perspective, I'll be like, oh, well, that was zero. <laughs> that was around about a level one. Wow. Okay. So that sounds like a lot of control and a lot of holding yeah. on and, and containing. Um, did that change organically when you left TV presenting or what happened to kind of shift you out of that mindset? Yeah, because I left television presenting and, well, I just, it wasn't basically the channels I was working on, they kept shutting down. I used to do a late night quiz show and it, that channel shut down and I'd go on and do another. Anyway, the long, long story long, I, mm. um, I, I needed to get some other work for some, as you do. And uh, my friend introduced me. To, she said, oh, I think you'll be really good at this teaching chocolate making workshops. Okay. I thought, well, that's I like random. Chocolate. <laughs> yeah, well, they they like using presenters because you oh, can see. Pu- speak publicly. You can entertain a crowd, and it was more for like hen parties and team building. Ah, and, okay. Um, so yeah, I, I did it, and I trained, and I studied um, as a chocolatier. Chocolatier, I've never yeah. said it. I've studied it uh, and loved it. I was like, oh my god, I love this. This is amazing, and 
that's when it started to change. That's when I fell in love with um, food and because I had everything. I had the food mm. or the chocolate. I mean, I don't know what you class that as a food. It is a food, I yeah. Had the chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> I had the chocolate and then I also had the presenting side because you're teaching to a group of people. So um, I and think, well, that's definitely when it started to change, yeah. And because the attention was off you and on your students and you were imparting knowledge, so you weren't under the spotlight in the same way. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And um, and I just, it was, and then fun was associated with, with the food and the chocolate and it was, it was all fun because everyone was having a really good time and I just really, really loved this job. Um, but unfortunately, the person who owned the company kept sacking people so I was it was it felt really insecure because I was freelance I've always been freelance mm. um and then uh so that's when I decided to set up my own company I set up a company called the coke box and we taught ch- uh, chocolate making workshops and uh, cupcake decorating classes and cake decorating classes that's very interesting and oh yeah I mean the gosh there's so much about chocolate isn't there but there's a lot about chocolate being like a forbidden food in, in, if yeah. you look at it in many ways. And kind of there there it was. And I imagine you ate the chocolate and... I did. <laughs> it was okay. It was okay. The world didn't end. You didn't hate yourself. No, no. I mean, what, the year we set up the Coca Box, because I set it up with Nathan, my husband, mm. um, I did put on about two stone. <laughs> so what was that, what was that like? Um, what putting on the weight or setting up the company? No, no, I'm talking about this body image thing and about because it's all about how we feel about. It. So how did you manage that when you put up the lucky. weight? Put on the weight. Oh well, it was gradual, so you don't particularly notice. Mm. And also, um, I really had um, my husband was really supportive and and loves food, and he kind of reintroduced me again into food because he was like, "Let's go for dinner. Let's yeah. do this. Let's do that." And I was like, "Oh wow!" He was like, "Let's go to the pub and have a pub pub food." And I was like, yeah. I, "I haven't done. I don't think I've ever done that. I just hadn't done it. I was yeah. just, that was not what I did." Yeah. And I was like, "Wow, this is amazing! I can't believe I've been missing out on this. Like a Sunday roast in the pub with some wine. This is yes. oh my god! This is unbelievable." <laughs> yeah. And, um, so yeah. That's when it's when I guess yeah. Looking back, that's when it all changed and food started to become a huge passion rather than something I had to control. Amazing. I've also had those experiences of being reintroduced to foods, and when you restrict your palate for that long, you said ten years. It it's Minimum, it's, yeah. it's like waking up, isn't it? And you have these experiences, and you realise everything that you've missed out on and just how wonderful food is and being social and sharing food and delighting in it and, and learning about it. So you set up your, your company, Coco Box, and yeah. then did you retrain as a chef or did you teach yourself? How did that happen? So I trained, I was really lucky. We were really successful with the Coco Box. It was, it just was huge and um, I was then offered work with big companies like Tesco and John Lewis and just loads of collaborations and I thought oh I think I need to learn a bit more I Mm. I need more knowledge so then I went and trained at Westminster Kingsway College as a pastry chef okay and 
And then I also went to a private college in Devon called Ashburton, which is oh, fantastic. You? Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, do you know it? Have you heard of it? I'm from Devon. So yes, I have. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I went to Ashburton and right. I did the culinary course there. Okay. And, um thing with food is every, you, you can never you can have the basics but you just every every day you can learn if there's something new a new ingredient a new recipe there's so many things so it's it can never get boring because you can learn so much and um yeah and then we did the coca box for a good 10 years mm. but i um i'm just it's like this is your life but i jumped <laughs> i jumped forward a bit and and um i started feeling uncomfortable with the um meat and dairy ah okay in what way well my friends a really good friend of mine who's um she's a psychotherapist not that that's got anything to do anything but i just you know i really respect her opinion her and her husband had been vegan for um, years, quite a few years. Yeah. And uh, in the beginning, Nathan and I were like, oh, God, you know, how can you do that? How can you restrict your diet, says I. Um, mm. But I didn't realise I'd been doing that most of my life. Right, yeah. And, uh, yeah. But then I kind of started feeling really uncomfortable. And I think, and then I started researching it. And I was like, oh, okay. And the more I researched, the more I was like, oh, oh this is so bad for you ethically, physically and and also it sounds ridiculous but we've got a dog as well no it's not ridiculous and- at all because veganism as i've said to you in the break and i know there's lots of people who will listen to this and who won't be vegan or plant-based who will eat meat and it doesn't matter and that's fine you know you do what you do yeah but it is the highest form because you're respecting all sentient beings aren't you you're really taking responsibility because there's lots of food you probably would like to eat but you can't i don't know like a bit of cheese or whatever um because your ethical stance is more important and you're respecting life at its highest level so i think getting a dog is is must have been pivotal it really was and just uh, and, and lots of things happened I think I started, um, yeah, just really weird things, not weird things happened, just um, because it's only been a few years. It's only been like five years. So it's relatively recent. It's not like I've been plant-based for years, 20 odd years. It's relatively recent. And um, I just... I think just everything changed in my life. I shut down the company... As I said, I had reverse surgery on my breast implants. I went into therapy. Right. And then, um, like everything kind of was a massive overhaul and I turned plant-based. So wow. it was a really weird time. And I think, uh, again, I, I know now, looking back, a lot of it might have been to do with being perimenopausal and not having the correct hormones in my body and that has a huge effect. Mm. Um, I, put, I wasn't eating the right foods, probably. I mean, it's everything. Everything. I had a complete lifestyle overhaul. Wow. And and um, the best thing that ever happened to me. Amazing. But in the in the eye of the storm, it was it was pretty uncomfortable to say the least. 
I think that the argument for not eating animals and not partaking in the dairy industry, it is inarguable. I know people argue against uh, for it. I've had lots of conversations and arguments with people. And right. it's about not causing suffering, isn't it? Which is the Buddhist tenant, you know. Exactly. It's exactly to that not for me. It's com- yeah, for yourself. No, no, I'm just going to say it's to not cause unhappiness or suffering for, for all living things. Some people don't care, yeah. some people do, and we care. Hmm. And I think it's about educating yourself as well, as well, because it is too easy to uh, not read up on it, not look at the statistics, not watch the documentaries. And it's just, oh, I have a nice cup of tea, or oh, fancy an ice cream, and... and when it's hot and you, you're nothing more delicious than a cold ice cream, but then the actual the cruelty and the pain that goes into making that. Um, yeah, so for me, that's a definite no now. And also it's not, and it's about the climate as well, because the Climate Change Committee um, recommend everyone, every single person on the planet should um, do a 20% shift away from meat and dairy by 2040, rising to 35% by 2050. And that's just so we've still got like a planet. And it sounds so drastic when you say it like that. And it's a bit of a, oh, an eye roller. But it's just it's just like fact. We ha- we all have to stop eating meat and dairy uh, as much. We don't have to stop it completely. I, I, that's my personal choice. But as, an, as people, we do. Yeah, yeah. Because we over farm and intensive farming and factory farming. And it's it's gone completely the other way, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so that's yeah. So that's why I became plant based, and um, and now I love it. Now it's not even a thing. Like, yeah, in the beginning, you're like, oh, how can I live without eggs? How can I live without cheese? And and then, but, but I'm at a stage now where I'm like, there's so many alternatives. The cheese is fantastic that you can get. Yeah, I don't have eggs, but really, I have mm. scrambled tofu. I mean. I, I, I don't want to eat eggs anymore anyway, because when you think about what natural egg is and where it comes from, it's, it's actually quite, it's not a nice, it's not pleasant. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to take a quick break. Hi, welcome back to Love This Food Thing podcast. I'm here with Lisa, Lisa Marley. And uh, we kind of went off on a bit, little bit about veganism then, but actually what I want to talk to you about, Lisa, is... Lots of people that I talk to on the podcast who have disordered relationships with food um, aren't kind of don't necessarily know how to cook or to look after themselves or what foods to eat, etc. So I want to talk to you about if you're not cooking and you're um, limited in your food choices, how you would advise someone to start learning about cooking and what that means. And I, then I'd like to talk to you about how to kind of change your diet if you want to become more plant-based, but you're worried that it's going to tip you into some kind of eating disorder state, how you can do that in a, in a gentle and loving way for yourself. But I'll remind you of that because I've just thrown loads of information at you. What would you say about someone who, who's, who doesn't cook for themselves and, and how to learn? Because lots of adults don't cook, do they? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. And I don't really know. Um, I didn't know that was the case. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Not everyone's going to cook from scratch just because of time, convenience, sure. money. There's lots of different reasons. Sure. But I would say um, if you're thinking about, uh, you, you don't even have to switch to a plant-based diet full time. No. Even just increasing your fruit and veg will 
um, is consistently proven to reduce your risk of cancer, support your immune system, reduce inflammation, increase your fiber is going to um, it's, there's no negative to eating more fruit, vegetables, legumes. It's just all tick, tick, tick. So even if you think, well, one day a week, then I'm going to cook some lentils, make roast some vegetables. It's really quite simple because uh, I think people get a bit scared. Even chefs, I train chefs in plant-based cooking. Do you? And caterers. Yeah, and even caterers and people that have been cooking for, say, 30, 40, 50 years still think, oh, I can't do vegan cooking. I've got a vegan friend. I have no idea what to cook for them. But I think it's actually taken away that word vegan because that is it has a negative connotation. Vegetarian, vegan, um, meatless, meat-free, they all have, in our research, it has ne- negative connotations. And just think, you know, if, you, if you're if having pasta and veg- roasted vegetables one night, you don't say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be vegan tonight. You just think, oh, well, I'm having pasta and I'm having pasta tonight. Right. Fancy pasta. Yeah. So I think it's taken away the pressure of it being a vegan or plant-based meal and just having really good food that just doesn't contain meat. Is, so, it, is it to do also with the old protein debate? Where do you get your protein from? Yeah, lots of people think that um, as a, a, plant, a, a plant-based diet, you won't get enough protein. But for an example, a traditional spaghetti bolognese would have, say, um, 17 grams of po- protein mm. um, for a small portion. Mm. And if you use, say, a, a soy alternative or a corn alternative, you know, a, a meat alternative, mm. um, it will have 16 grams of protein. Okay. So you protein isn't the issue. You can get protein really easily with your chickpeas, your butter beans, your lentils, um, bread. Ev- everything contains, pretty much everything contains protein. I think what we're all lacking is fiber. Okay. People don't get enough fiber. And that is the biggest um, issue um, with health, I think. And, um, and you can get fiber from fruit and vegetables. So, what are the best um, fibrous vegetables? All vegetables, all, all of vegetables. Them. Yeah, fruit and veg. More fruit and veg. We should be eating ideally thirty pieces of, of varieties of fruit and veg a week. So, um, doesn't Tim Spector say that? Do you know, I don't know. He, from um, he set up the Zoe program, partly set up the Zoe program, and also wrote the book called Spoon Fed. And he talks about oh, you, the, the daily requirement of five pieces a day. Well, everyone's different, aren't they? It's different in France. It's different in well, Germany, different that. in Italy. Yeah. But he says it's wo- way below what we need. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing bad about increasing your um, fiber, your fruit and vegetable intake. It, I mean, only good things are going to happen. You're going to feel better. You're going to have more energy. Your mood will be better because food and mood are so intrinsically, you know, it's everything is affected and um if you'll see your sleep better and yeah so personally that's um my opinion um so yeah i think if you are um struggling for recipe ideas google this if you google there's a zillion different recipes out there just choose what's your favorite food what do you love eating Mm. and then flip that around and just take away um the chicken so if you love chicken you think okay well tonight i'm gonna try tofu because i I always think tofu is the chicken of the plant world because chicken really is quite bland 
it's a bit taste, you know, it's tasteless. It's you have to do things to it. Same with tofu, you have to kind of season it or coat, coat it in breadcrumbs, or you can fry it, you can grill it. You know, there's a zillion things you can do with it. Um, so there's a lot of resources out there, and um, and I think it's just getting in, getting the courage to just make just make a, a pasta dish of whole wheat pasta and some roasted veg. I mean, simple as. In fact. Um, there's a recipe book called The Recipes, mm-hmm. and you can get that on the Pro Veg website. You can download it. It's got 35 plant-based recipes. Now, it's created specifically for uh, schools, but I use them all the time. There's no different, like, to what uh, – the only thing I might do is add some more chilli. Okay. Because I like spice. Yeah. So, but other than that, there are really easy, cost-effective, nutritionally balanced recipes that taste really good. And it's a free recipe book, so you don't have to pay anything, tick. And um, it's just a good start to think, oh, okay, what should I try? Oh, right, well, I'm going to try this. Like we make, we have a brownie that we make with beetroot and black beans, which might sound disgusting, but actually it's lush. And is that ProVeg, is is that for specifically for schools, ProVeg? It is. Uh, this recipe book is what we, when I train the caterers in schools, okay. uh, we work from this recipe book. But there is, you know, a brownie's a brownie, a fruit crumble's a fruit crumble. So, you know, and these are the recipes that are in the book. So we've got, for example, we've got crunchy uh, green salad, courgettes with cheesy croutons. Obviously, it's not cheese. Yeah. Uh, there's wraps, there's homemade cottage pie, there's biryani. There's like an, an array of different recipes that you can adapt and um Yes, they are. We, we've created them for schools, for school children. But then you you, you usually eat with your, you know, if, as a family, you usually eat all the same thing anyway, don't you, for your main meal? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have children, so I don't know. But I assume you would, you know, you don't cook something different for your children. Mm. I think some people do. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, maybe I'm, they do, yeah. But I'm just, um, clearly, it's, clearly it's a... a a brilliant source that you can go to. I just want to ask you, what's it like going into re-teach or re-educate chefs, cooks in schools? What's that like? Because it must, I imagine that culture is quite, um, I imagine it's all quite ingrained. Yeah, interesting question because it depends where you are, what part of the country. Right. So we cover the whole of the UK and, and, uh, we work with, oh, I'd say, 38 local authorities and multi-academy trusts. Right. So um, we do, I've just recently done some training in the north. So we did South Tyneside, we went to Middlesbrough, and went to Morpeth. And I did go in with expectations and prejudgments. And one of our opening questions is, what do you think of plant-based food? And... Myself and my manager, Colette, we were almost like waiting for the, oh, we hate it. Oh, we don't, what's all this rubbish about? And actually they were like, yeah, we're on board. We understand why it's important that we have to introduce more plant-based meals in schools. Uh, My friend's plant-based, my daughter, etc. And I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. This is like music to my ears. Um, But that's not the case. We have had some places where we don't like the texture and there's been, there has been a culture Mm. of, They've already made up their minds before we go in, but um, it's only going one way. So we're not going to be eating more meat, especially not in this, this uh, with this climate at the moment. Yeah, 
it's only going one way. So we kind of, the quicker you get on board and think, okay, what can I do? Um, I think the easier it'll be. And especially with the cost, the rising costs, because um, the biggest things that have gone up are milk, butter, honey, cheese, uh, meat. Yeah. So they're all, they all cost more now. And so also, also think, grain. And there's not going to be enough grain to feed the cattle yeah. that you know, everyone wants yeah. to eat. Uh, yeah, it's a fact, isn't it? It is. So it, even, um, and we're not about trying to make people plant-based and pro-veg, I'm talking about now. Yeah. We're not about, uh, the program's called School Plates. We're not about trying to change children and try and force them to be vegan. Absolutely not. We're just offering more choice, more sustainable menus. So, uh, so it's more inclusive. So if, you know, if someone can't eat meat for religious reason, reasons, health reasons, yeah. that they don't have, they're not singled out as the special kid, it's okay, they can just choose. It's more normal to have the kind of plant-based recipes on the menu. And um, it's, it's doing really well. I think lots of kids want to be and are plant-based. What would you say if someone, back to this, people who are not cooking and maybe who have limited access to a kitchen or they're sharing a kitchen, what do you like, I don't know? top two or three items for a kitchen what do you need to cook something decent or make some prepare some good food mm, when i say good food question. i mean food that you enjoy before anyone picks me up yeah. on the good food thing food that you love to eat go on well for me personally it, my my kind of essential item which would also be a luxury item is a food processor because oh. i do so much chopping and blending so to make a hummus or but you can also have a, a five pounds stick blender from a supermarket yeah and again some to some people five pounds it just might not be an option right but if you did have that budget i would say go with a stick blender so you can kind of make your sauces and stocks and hummuses and baba ganoush and etc etc okay um, but really, you need a knife, a chopping board, a pan, and you know you can make so many different things. You can make gorgeous soups. You can make lovely roasted pumpkin. I'm thinking seasonally now, and we're coming into kind of those kind yeah. of pumpkiny squash seasons where you can make some gorgeous pies and soups, and really simple. So I always keep my recipes like I call it user friendly, yeah. so that it's not just you don't have to be chefy. Yeah, I love like doing the intricate work as well but just for every day I don't cook like that every day I keep it really simple mm -hmm. and it might just be you know onions uh, garlic mushrooms some stock some whole wheat pasta and some fresh tarragon right and that's right. it just my, a nice simple pasta dish um what um... but yeah but I also take supplements as well Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. 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 There's a whole other discussion. No, I was just drifting off yeah. and thinking about lunch. <laughs> just, and I have a, a question to ask you. And I was just thinking, oh, God, I've completely forgotten it. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, what's she going to do with the mushrooms and the pasta? What was I going to say to you? I was going to say about cooking and about a food processor. And mm, 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 that's what I was going to say. I was going to say that you have lots of recipes on your Instagram page. And you demonstrate. So can people go online and watch your demonstrations? Are they on YouTube or are they on your page? Or because I'm because yes. some people will go, you know, pulses. What do you do with the pulse? Do you soak it? How do you cook it? It's hard. Oh, it's dry. It's just there are some things that you and I might or other people who cook go, Oh yeah, but of course you know how to do that. But you don't know it until you know it. 
Agreed. Absolutely mm. agreed. And mm. you should never assume, because again, I go to lots of different professional kitchens. Yeah. Um, people, the professional caterers do not know how to cook certain things. And right. there's no judgment there. I don't yeah. know everything. So it's not, so that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, I do monthly uh, online workshops actually with ProVeg where we actually do do all the cooking so you can see what it looks like, how to prepare it. And if you go on YouTube and look at the ProVeg uh, YouTube channel, we've got the last four workshops. Amazing. They're all free, obviously. The next one's on the 19th of October at 3 p.m. Yeah. And uh, we're just doing desserts. So we're doing the brownie, we're doing poached pear. So I'll be doing all like, we're doing a sticky tropical flapjack. And um, so that's free to register. But yeah, I do put, um, I've been slack, but I now do always write up my recipes now on my Instagram page. And um, so yeah, I do, I, I post them there and some on YouTube, but mainly my favorite medium of social media is instagram and are you is it just at lisa marley chef remind me yes lisa marley chef yeah okay so anyone needing recipes or who wishes to see lisa in action you can subscribe for free on the ProVeg website or you can go on lisa's instagram page at lisa marley chef and i've seen some of your videos and they're they're brilliant and oh, um, thank you yes and before before you go, we're going to wrap up. Did you say something about tickets earlier? Is that relevant? Yes. So I usually demonstrate. I demonstrate at a lot of shows. And uh, unfortunately, I'm not doing the Idol Home Show Christmas this year because I'm away. Okay. But I do have tickets for the Idol Home Show Christmas. And there's some brilliant chefs on. And uh, Matt Tebbett's going to be there. And Mark Lloyd, Rosemary Schrager. Um, so okay. I can either give you the link. I don't know how you'd like to do it, but I can. Um, how many tickets do you have? I've got 20 to give away. You've got 20 tickets to give away. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to sort this out with Chloe. He does all the social media, but we will have somehow we will have. I don't know, we'll have access to your tickets and whoever would like to comment on the Instagram page or would like a ticket, then please, um, yeah, write something on at Love This Food Thing Podcast Instagram page and we'll sort that out. Lisa, that's really generous. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank Before you. you go, if you were on an mm -hmm. island, any island, any climate, you have a store cupboard, olive oil, seasonings, etc. what five foods would you take? Oh, mm. I would take pasta, bread. What kind of bread? A sourdough. What kind of pasta? Whole wheat. <laughs> okay. Like Any particular shape? A spaghetti. Uh-huh. And what else would I take? I would take, I'm just thinking of things that I have every day. Mm. I would take plant-based, well, I'd have a treat. I'd have plant-based cheese. Mm -hmm. I would have plant-based cake chocolate because i need i love sweet stuff mm -hmm. have i got one more yes you have i would take oh is it a hot island it's any island it's yours any climate it's gonna be hot i'm gonna take some plant-based ice cream as well okay fantastic what flavor <laughs> oh chocolate everything's chocolate. everything's chocolate you're a, chocolatier. <laughs> you're a pastry chef yeah i love chocolate amazing is there anything else you'd like to say that we haven't covered Anything you want to flag up? 
Uh, no, I, I think I think I've said everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. We've kind of gone around the houses, but um, that's what happens. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And did I did I say anything about a recipe? Did we talk about that? That we were going to put it on the website? Did we say that in a break or uh, the Snickers, on the podcast? The Snickers one. Oh, yes. Yeah. I can't remember if we recorded it or not. Anyway, watch this space. That's all I'm going to say. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on Love This Food Thing podcast. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Love This Food Thing. If you'd like to reach me, I'm on Instagram at Love This Food Thing, or you can head to our website, lovethisfoodthing.com. Join our community. Everyone's welcome. Catch you in the next episode.